years, I've talked to people um, about the things of God, and I've, um, you know, you talk to people who say, I'm not really even sure that God exists, and then you'll, you'll say, well, why is that? And they'll say, well, uh, you know, there's all these galaxies and all these stars and all this stuff in this vast universe, you know, why would God even care about someone like me? And, and, and the fact is, is that uh, because there are so many galaxies and planets and stars in such a vast universe, uh, you know, the fact that God cares about us in the midst of that is a very demonstration of the kind of love that he has for us, that he maintains all of these things, and yet he knows everything about us, he knows our name, he knows our every thought. What a great God we serve this morning. I want to ask you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. The last time we were in Ephesians, we read uh, the last part of chapter 4 as we studied uh, that book, we saw uh, Paul uh, talk about making choices in life, choices that reflect the walk of a person who's been saved by the blood of Jesus. And in verses 25 through 32, Paul's reminding us as we read that, we were reminded that there are people in this world that are lost, and lost people act like lost people because they're lost people, they're without Jesus. And he reminds us, though, that we who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, that, that we, uh, we are to be different. We're, we've been saved, and so we should live a life that reflects a person that has been reborn, reflects a person that's been changed by God. And so we're encouraged to strive for a life that reflects the change of God and reflects a person that's been changed by the power of God. And Paul lists in this passage some of the differences in believers and non-believers. And in so doing, one of the things that he touches on that we want to kind of, kind of drill down into this morning is, is the difference in how a believer and a non-believer should handle their anger and how they deal with their anger. See, anger is something that, that's going to happen to all of us. It happens to everyone, but when not managed properly, it can shackle us. It can chain us up and prevent us from being who we were created to be. And so we're going to look at a few verses. We're going to reread a few verses here in Ephesians 4. We're going to read verse 26 and 27, and then we're going to skip down and read verses 31 and 32. So we're going to start right here in verse 26 of Ephesians 4. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Skip down to verse 31. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us to see and understand what it means to Manage our anger in a way that glorifies you, God. Help us to be different in all aspects of our lives. Father, how we love, how we debate, and Father, how we argue and how we manage those, uh, 
those, 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 that, that anger that, that seeps in into our lives. And God, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want you to see this morning is something about anger that many of you may not realize is that anger has a purpose. I want you to notice when Paul says, be angry, he says, be angry, do not sin. We, we have to understand that, that, that the anger can have a particular purpose. The, the anger can, can call us to action. You know, um, anger in and of itself, just, just a, an indignation about something in and of itself is not necessarily a sin. The sin is... A lot of times what happens as a result of that indignation, if that's not handled properly. But, but, but think about it like this. If somebody, men uh, particularly, if somebody breaks into your home and they are harming your wife or your children, there is an instinct inside you to protect and preserve and there is something that wells up inside of you and you are angry at the person that's trying to harm your wife and your kids and that anger is going to call you to action it's going to propel you to get up and do something and stop what's going on protect your family you see see anger can have a purpose it can it can uh, propel us to action there are some things in the world that we ought to be angry about. There are some things in this world that should make us angry. We call that righteous indignation. Now a lot of people use that phrase in, 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 in today's culture, but let me explain to you what it means in the Christian context. In the Christian context, righteous indignation is something that, uh, that, that upsets you and kind of angers you, 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 have a, you, you have a bad feeling about it because it's just inherently evil and wrong. Righteous indignation, when, when something that is clearly against what God has taught, it's not about what I feel or what you feel, it's not about what is popular in our culture or not popular in our culture, it's like, what does God think about this? And, oh man, that just, what I see, this is just evil and this is not evil because it makes me feel bad this is evil in the sight of God you know I, I, I get angry when I hear about children that are abused I get angry when I when I hear about a, 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 a wife that has been or a woman or a young girl that's been mistreated by somebody especially if it's a, a, a man if it's a, their husband or their father boy that makes me angry you know it makes me angry when I hear about parents who don't love their kids the way that they are supposed to that kind of makes me angry and that should make us angry because that makes God angry and so anger can have a purpose think about uh, when Jesus turned over the uh, uh, the tables in the temple we hear about that all the time when Jesus cleanses the temple you'll 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 see that in Matthew 21 and in Mark 11 you know Jesus goes into the temple and there's money changers there and he turns over the the tables now a lot of people take that passage and they'll say now you see see now Jesus doesn't want you to sell anything in the church you know uh, and that's actually not at all not at all what Jesus was doing like I've heard people say Say, well, if you have a coffee shop in your church, some of these big churches, you know, 
they have a coffee shop and the, the money goes to missions fund or something, whatever, you know, most of the time they're selling things at cost and whatever they get, they send to a missions fund. But someone says, you shouldn't have commerce in the church. Well, that, that's not actually what Jesus was talking about. That's not actually why Jesus turned over the, the money changing tables. Jesus turns over the money changing tables because the merchants in there had marked up the, 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 the product, which was typically doves that, that you would sell to people who were already poor, and you would sell these doves so that they could take that dove and go make an offering. And so if that dove cost, say, $7 out on the street, when you got into the temple, it might cost you like $80, okay? It was just, it was marked up crazy. And Jesus says, this is not right. You're cheating these people. This is, this is not at all what this is about. And, and, and Jesus was, was angry about that. He had a righteous indignation. He, and he, he turns over those tables. And, and when you study that passage, what you see is that Jesus is he's upset, number one, that, that these merchants are cheating people because of their greed and their own selfish desires. They're not really... Trying, they're not prevent, you know, providing a ministry to these people. Hey, we got these doves because we knew that you, you know, you may not have them when you got here. We'll sell them to you at cost, or we'll we'll give them to you, or whatever that might be. There was no ministry at all. This was money making for those people. The other thing Jesus was upset about was that all this was taking place in the uh, in the courtyard, the outer courtyard, which if you study the temple, it's called the court of the Gentiles. And so if you were a Gentile, you couldn't go into the inner courtyards. And so if you're a Gentile and you're coming to pray, you're coming to worship, and all this hustle and bustle, this business is going on all around you, it was disturbing your, uh, your ability to be able to really worship God. And this, Jesus says, he quotes Isaiah, and he says, Does it not say that my house is to be a house of prayer to all nations? He's talking about to all people. And so he was upset, righteously indignant over what was going on in that day. And so, uh, so anger, anger has a purpose. But the next thing I want you to understand is that anger kind of has a problem too, doesn't it? It has a problem because Paul knew that and that's why he says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not sin. The problem with anger is that you and I don't always get angry at the things that God gets angry at. The problem with anger is that you and I don't always deal with anger the same way that God deals with them. You remember when Jesus dealt with that situation in the temple, he, was, uh, he did it in a way, number one, that glorified God. The focus was on God. He didn't hurt anybody. And what he condemned was the sin uh, and so we, we, see, we see that Jesus deals with this in a way that glorifies God. But you and I, we don't always do that. See, Jesus was, was angry in the temple. He was angry over the right things for the right reasons. He, 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 he's never angry necessarily at the people. He's angry at their sin. He's angry at the sins that they're committing. He's angry at the result of what's happening, the damage that the sin is doing. If you... If you study the life of Christ, what you'll find in just, uh, just uh, the trend is you're going to notice that Jesus often got angry when there was an injustice done against other people or against God. But how does Jesus react when injustice is done to him? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
He doesn't get angry for the sins committed against him. But for many of us, we don't get angry at the sins committed against God. We get angry at the sins committed against me, against us. The things that make us mad, the, 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 the things that don't go our way, you know, the, 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 things that, uh, the, the things that offend us, you know, we think, you know, we, we'll, we'll justify it and we'll say, do you know what he said to me? Do you know what she did? I have never been so offended. You know, we justified in, in those ways. And, and, and when we do that, when we're, when we're saying, can you believe what so-and-so did? Oh, my goodness, I could just slap them, right? We, we've all felt like that, okay? But when we start thinking like that, sometimes we're joking when we say that. But sometimes we're not, okay? And when we're not joking and we're really thinking like that, see, we've taken the perspective of the situation and we're looking at it from our perspective and not from God's perspective. When we look at it from our perspective, that we, we don't deal with it properly. And, and that, just like that, this, this, this sort of anger or indignation that maybe was there Suddenly, when we stop looking at it from God's perspective, start looking at it from our perspective, then things start to well up in us. We start to get mad. We start to really uh, have mean and vengeful thoughts. We lose our temper and we lash out a lot of times in, in, in bitterness. I wonder if somebody could, uh, let, me, let me get a little volunteer here. Uh, let's see here. How, how about Sydney? Sydney, come, come here for just a second. <clears throat> Sydney, would you mind if I opened this bottle just right here? You wouldn't mind? No. Would that be okay with you? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you see her flinch? Thank you, Sydney. All right. Do you see her flinch? Why did she flinch? Oh, I got to be careful. I just about opened it for real. Uh, she flinched because she knew that whenever that bottle was shook up, see, it was okay at first, but when I shook that bottle up and everything inside of it was, 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 was uh, bubbling up and the pressure was building, she knew that one little twist of that top and that Coke was going to make a mess. It was going to get all over her. It was going to get all over me. It's going to get all over you. And it was just going to be a mess. A lot of times, see, that's how we handle anger, and that's how anger is. When we're not properly controlled, it can be really, really messy if it's not expressed the right way. So there's, there's a lot of things. You know, a lot of people are a lot like that Coke bottle, you know. A lot, there are a lot of people out there, and they've, they're shook up. There's a lot of things just sort of bubbling up inside them, a lot of pressure, a lot of things, and they just suppress it and push it down and don't deal with it. They never really learn how to, how to deal with it properly or, or give it to the Lord. And that stuff just keeps bubbling up. And then the slightest little twist, the slightest little amount of pressure, and that, that, all that stuff just explodes and goes everywhere. See, anger can have a problem. The problem with anger is that if it goes undealt with, it can affect your family, it can affect your marriage, it can affect your career, and it can affect your friendships. Listen, the truth is, you will control anger or anger will control you. you that, there's, that's, there are only two options. Either you're going to learn to control it 
or it will control you. Many of you are probably too young to remember this, uh, this giant in the football coaching, uh, college football coaching world. This man was a giant of, of a coach in the uh, 1960s and 70s. He coached for Ohio State University. His name was Woody Hayes. If, if Woody Hayes was coaching today, we would talk about him in the same sentences with people like Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and, uh, and, and other great coaches that have won multiple national championships. In his, in his time at Ohio State, Woody Hayes was there 28 years at Ohio State. He brought them uh, 13 Big Ten Conference titles. Five, count them, one, two, three, four, five national championships. He had a, a cumulative record in 28 years of 205 wins, 61 losses, and 10 ties. This man was a giant in the college football world. He had accomplished much. His reputation for achievement was impeccable. He was a coach that any school and any program would die to have. I mean, he was just that kind of coach. He was regarded in that way. In 1978, Ohio State was playing Clemson in, uh, in the Gator Bowl down in Florida. Now, this is just, a, this just the Gator Bowl, okay? This is not national championship. Uh, this is just the Gator Bowl. They went to a bowl game, you know? I mean, good for them, but not exactly, you know, uh, everything on the line in this game. But in the fourth quarter, Ohio State was down to Clemson. Uh, Clemson was beating them 17 to 15, but uh, with a little bit left in the fourth quarter, Ohio State was marching up the field, and they had got to the part of the field where they were in field goal range. They were they were in a situation with a third and five with just a little bit of time on the clock. They could have kicked the field goal right there, but uh, but Woody Hayes decided, hey, let's go for another play. Let's get a little closer. Let's get a better angle. Let's do it. So he calls the play, and the quarterback snaps the ball, and but instead of handing it off, he drops back and he lets go of a pass. And of all the people, the defensive on the defensive line, the nose guard catches and intercepts that football. And so he intercepts the football, but you know that the nose guard is not the fastest player on either side of the ball, but he takes off and he doesn't go very far before he's tackled, but that is pretty much the end of the game. He's tackled right there in front of Woody Hayes. And the people around Coach Hayes said that when, when this, uh, this football player, this nose tackle, was, uh, was, uh, this defensive player was, uh, was, was tackled right there, uh, that Hayes just came unglued and he just exploded and he started screaming all these curse words at the kid. And then he says, you cost me my job. And then he jumped on the kid and started hitting him. Boom, boom, boom. And just like that. 28 years of coaching, 13 conference titles, five national championships, a career, a legacy, just like that. It was over. Why? Because Woody Hayes lost control of his anger. And when he did, his anger started to control him. You can't let it control you. That's why in verse 31, Paul says... All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Now, Paul warns us. He, he's saying, he, this is a way of Paul saying, 
You can't let this control you. Some of you may notice in, here in verse, uh, verse 31 it says, All bitterness, anger, and wrath should be removed from you. Uh, but then in verse 26 Paul has said, Be anger and do not sin. And so is there a contradiction there? Some people may read this passage and say, Hey, verse 26 seems to contradict verse 31. But in reality it really doesn't because in the Greek there are different forms of those words that are used. And so in verse 26, when Paul says, be angry, do not sin, he, he's, he's talking about uh, uh, the, this righteous indignation. There are things that are going to anger you and they ought to anger you, but you cannot be controlled by that anger. But then when verse 31, when Paul says, let all, uh, all malice and all anger, and all, you know, let that be removed from you. He, he's talking about the word that he uses there is really a word that would probably be better translated as rage. He's saying don't, don't be filled with rage. He says you know when you get so angry that you're ready to do something to somebody because of your anger, you've got to let go of that stuff. You can't go there. And so uh, Paul, is, Paul is talking about um, talk, Paul's talking about the idea that, that they should deal with their anger in a way that glorifies God. Be angry and do not sin. There are going to be things that, that upset you. But you don't let, don't let the anger, uh, even the things that should upset you, don't let that anger control you. Because if you do, you're going to end up with, with a heart that's bitter. You're going to end up with a heart that is ready to unleash wrath and rage. You're going to be the person that shouts and slanders people. You're going to have a malicious spirit. He's saying you need to deal with your anger in a way that glorifies God. See, many of us, many of us who claim to love Jesus, many Christians who say, hey, I love Jesus, you know, but then when, when they're provoked, even righteously provoked, a, a lot of times... Not all of us always deal with it in a way that glorifies God. And, and when, we, when we do that, when we, when we get outside of what God has intended for us, we just make a mess out of everything. Like, for example, righteous indignation may be, um, hey, I am against abortion, okay? I'm pro-life, and so yeah, I have righteous indignation uh, in, uh, against the abortion industry, and I would like to shut it down, okay? That might be a righteous indignation, but it is evil when you threaten uh, the people who, who work at those clinics or the patients or the doctors or the workers or even do something that would harm any of those people. See, there's a difference in, 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 in being upset about something and in uh, allowing it to cause you to do evil. It might be righteous indignation to say, hey, I don't like that in our culture today there are people that are teaching our children that, that same gender relationships and when two people of the same gender are romantically involved with one another, it bothers me that our culture is telling our kids that that is okay. That, that bothers me, okay? It, sh it should bother you because that bothers God. But then, when but if you go and you threaten somebody who is involved in those relationships, or or uh, or try to do harm to someone in one of those relationships, or people that support those things, then you have done evil. So there's a difference in being, you know having a righteous indignation and being angry about something you're supposed to be angry about, and then acting on it in a way 
that is evil and that does not glorify God. And so we have to understand, yes, anger has a purpose. Anger has a problem. We also understand that anger has a proper process. Paul gives great advice here in verse 26. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then in verse 27 he says, don't give the devil an opportunity. I mean, this is some of the best advice that you could ever find on how to deal with anger and how to process it. You can't let it fester. You can't let it fester. There's three ways that people typically deal with anger. The first thing is people try to hold on to it. Don't hold on to it. Don't bottle it up. Don't try to hold it in because, because if, you, if, you, if you try to ignore it, it's just going to get worse. When I was about Caleb's age, I was about five years old. Now, I'm the youngest of four boys. My brothers were teenagers at this time, and my oldest brother, I remember uh, being in his room. Uh, we lived in southwest Little Rock, and I was in his room, and I, I don't know, I had some matches. I don't know where I got them, but I was playing with some matches, and, and I, I found this, he had this drawer in his uh, dresser that had all these papers in it, and I thought, hey, I wonder what would happen if I lit up one of these pieces of paper. I'm, I just want to light it up a little bit, and I'm just going to light it up, and I'll blow it out real quick. And so I lit the paper, and held onto it, and man, it flared up real fast, and I, ha, ah, it burned my hand, I dropped it, and uh, then it dropped down into the drawer, and I thought, oh my gosh, this thing is burning, so what did I do? Close the drawer, run away, and so luckily my mother, since something was going on, or smelled the smoke, or something, came in there and put the fire out uh, before the whole dresser had went up, and before the whole house had went up. Uh, the only thing that burned were a few of uh, my brother's uh, love letters from one of his ex-girlfriends. Uh, but, you know, hey, I was five years old. I didn't know any different. But here's the thing. I, I thought if I just, at five years old, I thought I'll just, if I just tuck it away, if I, if I don't see it out of sight, out of mind, I don't, I don't have to deal with it. But, you know, anger, if, if anger is one of those things that if, if you let it fester, and you don't deal with it in the right way, then you're going to have a bigger problem later than you would have had if you dealt with it in the first place. So don't just hold it in. But you also got to, can't be a person that just, uh, uh, that just lets things explode. Okay? Don't hold it in and, and, and don't let it explode like the Coke can we talked about. You know, a lot of people, they, they try to ignore things or maybe they don't deal with it properly. But it, it, eventually if it explodes, it's going to explode in the form of rage and violence and hate. And, you know, those are the people that just lose all control. You know, they lose all sense of reality and they just go berserk and say all kinds of crazy things. And then once they calm down, they'll say, well... You know, I'm just like that. You know, when I get mad, I just gotta, you know, I just gotta say it, and then, and then it's over with, and I'm done. And you know, you know, it only lasts for a second. Well, that might be true, but you know, a dynamite blast only lasts a second. But the closer you are to that stick of dynamite when it goes off, the more damage you're gonna have. And so, a lot of us, when we let our anger explode, we do damage to other people, the people that are around us. If, we, if you're a person that says things that you don't mean and 
you say and do ugly things when you're mad, then the, then the, the damage of those things can last a long time. You might be able to say, oh, I'm sorry, and you might get over it and move on. But the person who heard those words or experienced that situation, uh, that they may be dealing with that in their own heart and dealing with that emotionally for a long time. And so, uh, so you, you got to be careful. You don't want to hold it in and you don't want to let it explode. Uh, what you do want to do is you want to learn to control it. You learn to control it by letting God control you. You learn to control it by letting God control you. you see, that takes some effort on our part. Okay? It takes some effort because you and I have to say, hey, I am going to submit myself to the will of God. So when Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, actually, uh, I believe the King James says uh, translates that word wrath because that's a little bit different word than when Paul says, be angry and do not sin. The word is a little different. And when he's talking about anger, when he says don't let the sun go down on your anger, it's that word that means rage. And he's saying don't let the sun go down on that rage. If you get to the point to where you're just, you know, you're just ready to explode and you just, you're so mad, you're just furious about something, you don't need to let the sun go down on that without dealing with it. He's saying you need to deal with it quickly you need to deal with don't let it fester because if it festers it'll turn into bitterness and it'll turn into rage it'll turn into wrath and so uh so Paul is is telling us you know we we need to we need to go to God and seek God's advice for how to deal with a situation don't let the sun go down on it and you know what that does that forces us when we go to God and we're mad about something and we take it to the Lord, it forces us to stop looking out and to start looking in. Okay? Stop looking out, start looking in. It forces us to ask hard questions. Listen, here's the thing. You and I cannot control whether or not somebody else is submitted to God. But you can control whether or not you are submitted to God. And so as you go to God and you're saying, God, I, I'm, I'm submitting myself to you. I'm, I'm saying, I want your will. I want to understand. Help me to process this. Uh, as you process those things, you're going to naturally, the Holy Spirit, I think, is going to convict you in some way, shape, or form to at least look inside and, and ask yourself, is there sinfulness in my life that is causing or adding to my problems? Now, I'm not saying that all your problems are always your fault, okay? There are a lot of things that happen to you and me that are not our fault. There are a lot of things that happen to you and me that are unfair. There are a lot of things that happen to you and me that are caused by other people. But a lot of times when we find ourselves in those situations, even when, when we have been done wrong by somebody else, if we don't process it the right way, uh, then we can find ourselves uh, you know, uh, out of the will of God. We can find ourselves uh, becoming bitter because of it. And so, so we, we have to ask ourselves, is there something in my life? Is there something uh, that, that, that I'm doing or not doing that's, that's adding to, that's making it worse, that's put me in this situation? Is there something in my life that I need to change? But, you know, another thing you might ask yourself is, are there some things in my life that I should be doing? 
you know, that, that help me uh, deal with these things a little more? Should, should I be praying more? Uh, am I reading the Word of God? Am I really studying it? Am I, you know, do, do I go to church enough? You know, those are, those are questions that we ask when we look within. And of course, as God reveals things to us, if there are sins or there are things that we need to repent of, then ultimately we need to repent, turn away from the things that are hurting us and turn to the only one that can help us. See, when we, we deal with these things, here, here's the thing I want you to understand. I want you to understand, don't be afraid to take it to God. If you've got an issue, whether it's anger or hurt or pain, take it to God. But also, don't be afraid to take it to a professional. There are great Christian, godly counselors out there that are trained to help you work through some of those things. We have some of them here in our church, and we're so thankful for them and for the ministry God has given to them. And so don't be afraid to ask God. Don't be afraid to ask a professional. And, and also, if you're dealing with those kinds of things, don't be afraid to ask a friend. A friend that you that you trust, a friend that you respect, that will call you to the carpet, that will that will hold you accountable. And you say, "Hey, I need I need help, man. I I, I need I, I want to stop doing this. I want to I want to stop reacting this way, and I need somebody to to help me. And I give you permission. I give you permission to hold me accountable. So we don't need to be afraid to do that because we got to learn." To control those things, those emotions, and not be controlled by them. That's why in Romans 12, Paul, Paul told, uh, uh, told the Romans, he says, If possible, on your part, live at peace with, with everyone. He says, Do not avenge yourselves. Verse 21, he says, Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Be angry, but don't sin. Yes, there are things that will upset you. Yes, there are things that will make you angry. And yes, there are some things that should make you angry. But when you're angry, deal with it in a way that glorifies God. I heard someone say this, uh, and I thought this was, this was really good. They said, don't vent it, but release it. Don't just vent it. Some, sometimes we just think we just need someone to vent to. And that's, there are, there's, that's, uh, that's a good thing. That's productive. But if you vent it and never really release it to the Lord, you're just going to have to vent it again and again and again. And if you keep it, if you hold on to it, then eventually it's going to turn into that bitterness, rage, and vengeance. And eventually it's going to destroy your life. In Colossians 3, he tells Christians to put on a heartfelt compassion, uh, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's talking about with one another. He says, accept one another and forgiving one another uh, in love. He says, uh, also, he says, let the peace of the Messiah control your hearts. In verse 15, let the peace of Christ, let the peace of God control your heart. Listen, friends, the heart of the believer should be controlled by God and by God alone. The heart of the believer should be controlled by God and God alone. That's why you and I have to learn to manage our anger in a way that glorifies God. We do that by submitting ourselves to the will of God, by praying, by being in the Word, by 
going to church, by, by taking in all these things and not just being a part of it, but learning and growing in our faith. And that helps us to be able to know how to process these things properly when they happen to us. Because if we're going to deal with it in a way that glorifies God, we got to let the peace of God control our hearts. Release it to Him. Let Him deal with it. Let Him bear that burden. Find forgiveness and humility and submit yourself to the will of God. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. and Don't give the devil an opportunity, but be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you in Christ. Let's pray.